France votes in a socialist president turning its course sharply to the left. The world's financiers are declared as public enemy. Superstate or separate, the only two choices for Europe. Welcome to the Bible in the News. This is Jonathan Bowen joining you. France has taken a sharp turn to the left these past few weeks with the election of Francois Hollande and the defeat of Nicolas Sarkozy. Hollande's election brings in the socialist government, returning France to its revolutionary roots. It was the French Revolution that gave birth to democracy, socialism, humanism, communism, and all the other isms that form the chorus of the frog spirits. The revolution saw the end of the monarchy with the removal of the heads of the royal family of France, quite literally, through the use of the guillotine or the national razor, as it was termed. This was the result of the judgments of God described in Revelation 16 as the vials of wrath and summarized in Revelation 11, verse 13. The same hour there was a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand, and the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to the God of heaven. The tenth part of this great city of Europe, meaning France, was to fall with a great political earthquake which would result in the slaying of many men. The revolution did not stop with the changing government. It carried on to see the entire aristocracy of France wiped out. Not satisfied to end there, it moved on to business owners and anyone with wealth. Tens of thousands of France's citizens lost their heads at the hands of the Committee of Public Safety in what was known as the Reign of Terror. Well, the French Revolution had been carried out in the name of liberty, equality, and fraternity, but it was a false liberty, not the liberty of Christ, and used for an occasion to the flesh. The scriptures rightly warned, Brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of the other. Galatians 5 verses 13 to 15. The Committee of Public Safety eventually devoured itself and its factious parties of Girondists Abedists and Jacobins, along with their leaders such as Danton and Robespierre, they all ended up going to the guillotine, fulfilling the word of the Lord, them that take the sword shall perish with the sword. The interesting thing about modern socialism is its link to the equality of the French Revolution. It seeks to do through legislation what the revolution sought to do by the sword. Although under the guise of fraternity or brotherhood and love of man, It is really rooted in covetousness, taking one man's possessions by force of arms or law and giving them to another. At its rudimentary level, it is simply theft. Francois Hollande's election has seen an immediate sweep into this mindset. Time World reported this week, Hollande's fellow socialist prime minister, Jean-Marc Alright, said in a May 30th interview with Newsweek L'Express, that new regulations will soon be imposed on state-controlled companies to prohibit top executive salaries from exceeding those of lowest-paid employees by a ratio of 20 to 1. Were that not enough to send shutters through the pinstripe set, Alralt also said that the rules would not only apply to newly hired managers at public businesses, but also extending to existing contracts. I believe in the patriotism of managers who can understand that the financial crisis demands political and economic elites to set an example, he told L'Express. 
Well, patriotism is a phrase full, pulled from the French Revolution, where revolutionaries were termed patriots, while their supporters of the royalty were called the royalists and traitors against the people. Fortune magazine added to this by reporting the following. Hollande wants to tax France to death. Anyone making more than a million euros a year will see their tax rate go from 45% to a mind-blowing 75%. He'll then stick it to the banks, raising their taxes by 15%. He says he will raise the minimum wage, cancel spending cuts, hire back thousands of government workers, and roll back the retirement age from 62 to 60. He also wants to increase government spending to sponsor large infrastructure projects, all in a bid to spur economic growth. The article continues, to avoid financial firms from leaving in droves, Hollande will most likely push for the tax to be implemented across the European Union. Well, all of this signals an about-face turn for France, turning from the right dramatically to the socialist left, with promise of salvation through social spending. It also signifies the direction France will be pushing the European Union. Interestingly, in a debate on socialism held in 1909 between a Mr. F.G. Janoway, a Christadelphian, and Reverend N.E. Ergerton Swan, a Catholic, Mr. Janoway called as a witness the French Revolution, wherein he stated, Socialism was tried on a large scale. Laws were passed to do away with misery and poverty. Indirect taxation was removed, and taxes without end were put on the rich. How did it end? Let me quote one historian. Commerce was annihilated. The rich vanished, and the tax on them brought in nothing. The price of food rose in terrifying fashions. Famine showed itself in Paris, Lyon, Marseille, Bordeaux, and Rouen. Pallor and agony were on all faces. One million died of famine, and nearly as many more perished on the scaffold or in prison. Poverty and misery will not be resolved by laws passed by the French government today any more than they were during the French Revolution. Only the righteous rule of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will return to the earth and wrest control from the greedy hands of mortal men, establishing a kingdom of righteousness, can bring peace and happiness to the world. But we are to expect this cry from the European nations who comprise the beast of Revelation, along with the Vatican and the Russians, the false prophet and the dragon. It is they who cry out liberty, equality, fraternity, the song of the frog spirits of Revelation 16, verse 13, where we read, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Well, what other policies does Mr. Hollande have up his sleeve? He put it fairly succinctly. My enemy is not another candidate. It's not another person. It has no face. It is the world of finance. Well, while this has been the rallying cry of many of France's youth and is popular among those who blame the banks of the world for the current financial crisis, it also raises bells of alarm. In times gone by, and even in recent years when the finger is pointed at the banks, it isn't long before the finger is pointed at the Jews, perceived as the world's financiers. Is this a veiled salvo of anti-Semitism coming from the new French government? Well, only time will tell, but it's certainly worth watching. The Israeli publication Ynet Daily, while interviewing Jews who had left France and were now living in Israel, stated, A land is not good for the Jews or for Israel, said Lawrence Portouche, adding that many Jews in France will now have an excuse to make Aliyah because he loves Muslims. We are worried about the Jews who live in France. The world should be worried about them too, said Colette, another Netanya resident who moved to Israel from France. 
Hollande is a danger to the Jewish community in France. We lived there for over 40 years, but those were different times. Now it's difficult for us, she added. The Jewish press reported an Ali affair, which is a return to Israel, in Paris on Election Day, saw some 5,000 French Jews participate. The annual fair usually attracts about 2,000 visitors, according to the Jewish agency. Agency chairman Natan Sharansky, member of Knesset and former Russian refusenik, who attended the fair, commented, I cannot recall having seen such a massive number of people interested in Aliyah since the days when lines of people stretched out in the Israeli embassy in Moscow. A new survey conducted in March of the 500,000-member French-Jewish community, the second largest in the diaspora, found that French Jews have grown so disgusted with the anti-Semitism that more than one quarter of them are considering emigrating. Turning our attention back to the attack on the world's financiers, let us not forget the Vatican's comment on this idea of setting new rules in the name of Christian socialism to control the distribution of wealth. In July of 2009, Pope Benedict XVI issued an encyclical letter entitled Caritas in Verte, or Charity in Truth. He said, The current crisis obliges us to replan our journey and to set ourselves new rules and to discover new forms of commitment, to build on positive experiences and to reject the negative ones. The crisis thus becomes an opportunity for discernment in which to shape a new vision for the future. In this spirit of confidence rather than resignation, it is appropriate to address the difficulties of the present time. He continues, In the face of the unrelenting growth of global interdependence, there is a strongly felt need, even in the midst of a global recession, to reform, for a reform of the United Nations organization, and likewise of economic institutions and international finance, so that the concept of the family of nations can acquire real teeth. Such authority would need to be universally recognized and to be vested with the effective power to ensure security for all regard for justice, and respect for rights. Well, the Church, of course, sees itself as a key partner in managing the reorganization and setting of new rules reshaping the future for its own objectives. Mr. Hollande may have an ally in the Church in this regard. Mr. Hollande's platform includes a desire to consolidate power in Europe. Euroactive.com reported he wants to combine the positions of presidents of the European Commission and of the European Council, currently held by Jose Manuel Barasa and Herman Van Rupi, respectively. He wants to combine these positions into a single office and that it should be directly chosen by the members of the European Parliament. Well, this is in keeping with the mantra of many politicians who are trying to keep the European Union from being broken up on the shoals of economic crisis. Even The Economist posed the question this past week, what will become of the European Union? One road leads to a full breakup of the euro, with all its economic and political repercussions. The other involves an unprecedented transfer of wealth across Europe's borders and, in return, a corresponding surrender of sovereignty, separate or superstate. Those seem to be the alternatives now. The article continues, That is why we have reluctantly concluded that the nations in the Eurozone must share their burdens. The logic is straightforward. The Eurozone's problem is not the debt size, but its fragmented structure. To survive, 
Europe has to become more federal. The debate is how much more. For people like Germany's finance minister, Wolfgang Schäuble, the single currency was always a leg on a journey towards a fully integrated Europe. In exchange for paying up, they want to harmonize taxes and centralize political power with, say, an elected European Commission and new powers for the European Parliament. According to the Economist column Charlemagne, the European Union, bemoans one veteran Eurocrat, was not designed to deal with a crisis. Blame Jean Monnet, the EU's godfather. The French functionary believed in gradually unifying post-war Europe through discrete projects run by a cast of technocrats, with the end point left deliberately ambiguous. Europe, he said, will not be built all at once or as a single whole. It will be built by concrete achievements which first create de facto solidarity. His methods have gone far. European states have voluntarily pooled a remarkable degree of sovereignty. The limits of Monet's method are being reached. Governments are running out of modest steps that can be passed off as technocratic fixes. Short of an unexpected change in markets or a sudden return to growth, they must confront a fundamental political decision. If the euro area wishes to avoid a nuclear option of complete disintegration, it will have to make the leap forwards towards fiscal union. End quote. So, according to the economist view, we can expect some drastic measures to unite the euro or see it shipwrecked on the shoals of economic crisis. Well, the Bible certainly paints the picture of a political and economic union. Speaking of the ten-horned scarlet-colored beast ridden by the harlot woman in Revelation 17 verses 12 to 13, we read, The ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. Well, power is defined by Strong's as strength, ability, or influence residing in riches, wealth, and resources. Strength is defined as power of choice, liberty of doing as one pleases. So both its monetary and its governmental power is surrendered to the beast system. The end result is their combined rebellion against Christ upon his return, as seen in verse 14 of chapter 17. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. So as you watch governments falling and being replaced by whomsoever the Most High deems appropriate, we take comfort in the fact that God has a purpose with the world which he will accomplish. The invitation is made to us to join Christ in the new administration termed a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness by being obedient to his call now. Join us next week for the Bible in the News.